Looking to get out of your own way and make things happen? Do you love inspiration and tips that are based on the science of happiness and well-being? If so, default to yes is for you. New episodes are released every Monday with the occasional bonus episodes with expert guests, each one designed for inspiration to keep us moving in the right direction. Whether you're dealing with obstacles that have been around for a long time or are on a journey of new challenges, know that you are not alone. The Default to Yes podcast is nurse coach and aromatherapist Julie Reynolds on the journey with you, your extraordinary self. We deal in truth and experiment with solutions, training our fascinating brains to cooperate as we show up in the world the way we really want, make the difference we desire without sacrificing our overall well-being. Welcome to the Default to Yes podcast. Hey, welcome to today's podcast. In this episode, we'll be discussing self-sabotage a phenomenon that affects many of us and often sometimes without us even realizing it. We'll explore what science says about self-sabotage, and I'm going to give you some tips for how to overcome it. Self-sabotage is when we act in ways that undermine our own success. It can take many forms from procrastinating on important tasks to engaging in self-destructive behaviors such as excessive drinking, eating, overthinking, overcommitting, even substance abuse. Self-sabotage can be a challenging issue to overcome because it often arises from deep-seated thoughts and emotions, fears, or beliefs that we may not even be aware of. I'm excited to dive into this because I think this can be a very freeing topic once we learn how to think about it. My name is Peggy McNeil, and default to yes, what it looks like to be my extraordinary self is to look at things in a positive way and say yes to opportunities and to not look at the initial reaction to why I can't do things or why that's not even possible. I think my nature is to say, okay, I don't really know where to go, but let's see how we can get there. So let's go there together. And so that's really how I default to yes and try to be my best self. That's what it looks like when I default to yes. Thank you, Peggy, for sharing with us what it looks like for you to default to your extraordinary self. I hope you guys noticed her comment about being the the initial reaction might be to question what is really possible and that the nature or the default is to acknowledge, I don't know, but let's see how we can make it happen. If you go to my website, you'll see that Peggy is somebody who knows how to make things happen. Before we get into the science and some of the tips, I just wanted to share a little bit about how this impacts me and why did I decide to talk about self-sabotage. And this has been something that I have noticed in my own life over the years as I take on different adventures and different projects and set big goals for myself. Now, setting the goal and the idea of the possibilities, if I am able to pull it off, is always a very exciting part for me. And getting started is really easy because I kind of geek out over just learning something new and diving into a new adventure, taking on a new skill. And it's usually somewhere in the middle. 
This is often referred to as the messy middle. It's right in that area when I get a handle on how it's going to work and then get a realistic picture of what it's going to take to succeed. And then sometimes the fear sets in to see like, I'm putting myself out there. What if it doesn't work? What if I work this hard and I just really can't ever get there? What if I do succeed and I have to put myself out there on a new level? I have to step on a stage. I have to talk to a bigger audience. I have to go face to face with experts and people that I look up to. What if I make a fool of myself? I have all of those thoughts that run in my head and sometimes I don't even know that it's happening. My brain kicks into some gear to protect me from all of those things. What if I step on the stage and I completely forget what I'm going to say? What if I get in the moment and I just don't know what to do or I don't do the right thing? If I finally get to that place where I get to do what I want to do and it just isn't very good. I have all of these what if questions, things that that scare me. I remember putting myself out there, working with people that I didn't know, and they were inviting people to attend an event that I was speaking at as the keynote speaker. And I kind of had in my head that it would be 10 or 15 people. And when I looked in the room and saw that it was full, I got really scared. I remember going to the bathroom and being in the stall in the women's bathroom and thinking, I don't think I can go out there. And I would have taken any out if somebody said, hey, I'll do it. I probably would have said yes. That's what it looks like when I self-sabotage usually while hand it over to someone else or I'll look for somebody to partner with because if I go down, I'm not, at least I'm not going down alone. I don't know. But it takes me off the hook for the outcome. I'll consider canceling an event because of, oh, anything. The weather, maybe I don't feel good. <laughs> maybe somebody else doesn't feel good. I know when I'm about to do it because I start to think of reasons why I shouldn't have done this in the first place and why nobody will even notice if I back out. And then I start looking for reasons to back out. Now I do this to myself as well in areas of say fitness. I decide I'm going to exercise. I decide on a plan and I get into it and it gets hard or maybe I start to succeed and something in me just backs off. This shows up for me in a big way at networking events. I'm so determined to go and I'll set my goals. I'm going to meet three people and connect with them in a meaningful way. And then I get to the event, the people are real, and it feels awkward to approach people. And then I totally will decide that it's okay just to be a little bit more passive and relational and not actually put myself out there, not actually share my message, and just listen and learn. That is a big thing for me. I will actually sabotage myself with listening and learning, and then I don't have to speak up. I listen and I learn, but I'm not putting myself out there. So there's a lot of ways that self-sabotage shows up for me. And so this was helpful for me to dive into what the science says, what things we can do, and what can be top of mind when you start to first uh, notice those triggers of when you're going to sabotage your efforts.
And for some of you, you're sabotaging yourself before you even get started. You have something that you really want, but maybe you think you don't deserve it. Maybe you think it's impossible. You're telling yourself a story that it sounds really great for everyone else, but maybe not for you. Maybe it's really not necessary. That is self-sabotage. If there's something that you want, go get it. It's certainly not going to hurt to try. So whether self-sabotage starts before anything even gets started, or you get to the messy middle, or maybe it's even right at the point right before the breakthrough, self-sabotage will show up at all different levels of taking action. So let's talk about how we can keep that from happening to your extraordinary self. All right, let's talk about the science. Neuroscience can provide valuable insights into what is going on in our brain when we engage in self-sabotage. One way to understand this is a phenomenon through the metaphor elephant and the rider. So not to get too technical about the brain and the prefrontal cortex, we're going to just explore this metaphor. Our brain can be thought of as having two parts, the elephant, our emotional brain, and the rider, our rational brain. The elephant represents our unconscious, automatic, and emotional processes, while the rider represents our conscious, deliberate, and rational processes. This is that prefrontal cortex. So when I talk about developing a prefrontal protocol, that's what I'm talking about, is engaging this rider. When we engage in self-sabotage, it's often because our emotional brain, the elephant, is overpowering the rational brain. For example, we might know that we should stick to our healthy eating plan, but our emotional brain is craving junk food and we give in to those cravings. Neuroscience research has shown that our emotional brain, the elephant, is more powerful than our rational brain, the rider, when it comes to decision-making and behavior. This is because our emotional brain is wired to seek pleasure, avoid pain, and conserve energy which can lead us to engage in self-sabotaging behaviors that feel good in the moment, but are not in line with our long-term goals. This is our brain kind of being a jerk to us, really. It's trained to seek comfort, and that short-term satisfaction is comfortable. Anytime we try to make a change, that primitive part of our brain is going to go into high alert. And we've trained our brains, too, to seek rewards that sometimes we weren't even aware that we were doing it. But the good news is that we can train our emotional brain, the elephant, to work in tandem with our rider through mindfulness, self-awareness, and intentional decision-making. By practicing mindfulness and becoming more aware of our thoughts, emotions, and behaviors, we can start to recognize our self-sabotaging patterns and make more intentional choices that align with our goals. This is that prefrontal protocol. We can decide ahead of time what to think. We can change our thoughts and set that elephant, that emotional brain, at ease. So the elephant and rider metaphor helps us understand the neuroscience behind self-sabotage. It provides insights in how we can train our brains to overcoming self-sabotaging behaviors and achieve our goals. Now let's talk about chemistry a little bit because this is important for us. It's just a way that we can think about this and recognize that this is the way our brains are wired. And if we know it's happening, we can take control of it. One important chemical involved in self-sabotage is dopamine. 
Dopamine is that neurotransmitter that's responsible for the brain's reward and pleasure center. When we engage in behaviors that feel good, like eating junk food or procrastinating, our brain releases dopamine, which reinforces those behaviors. It's teaching our brain that it's important to us. It's that it's important for our survival. And so you can see why that kicks in. And also you can see where we have control of it. So our brain has learned that sugar and alcohol, social media, likes, Netflix, relaxing on laying in bed for an extra 10 minutes in the morning, our brain has learned that these things are important for our survival. Now, there's nothing wrong with any of these things individually, but if they're getting in the way of your goals, then it's important to, to call them out on it. This is why self-sabotaging behaviors also can be so addictive. They feel good in the moment because they trigger the release of dopamine in our brains. Over time, these behaviors can become problematic and prevent us from achieving our long-term goals. Now, another chemical that is involved in self-sabotage is cortisol. Among nurses, cortisol comes up a lot. Cortisol is a stress hormone, and it's released when we experience stress and anxiety. When cortisol levels are high, it can interfere with our decision-making and make it more difficult for us to resist temptation or make the choices that we really want. For example, if we're feeling stressed or anxious, we just are more likely to engage in those self-sabotaging behaviors such as binge eating or procrastination as a way to cope with those feelings. This creates that negative cycle where self-sabotaging behaviors only serve to increase our stress levels, leading to more self-sabotage. So this whole cycle is revolving around those feelings that we don't like to feel. And we really need to get good at that, feeling those feelings and knowing what we're making those mean. So next time this comes up for you, notice what you're feeling and ask yourself what the thought is about that. What are you making that emotion mean? Take control over that. Don't let that primitive part of your brain decide what you're going to do with that. You get to decide with your prefrontal cortex. You get to make a plan. All right, so what more does science say about self-sabotage? Research has shown that self-sabotage is a common issue that affects many of us. Not sure we need research to tell us that, but a study published in the Journal of Social and Clinical Psychology found that nearly 40% of people engage in self-sabotaging behaviors. I was surprised that it wasn't higher. These behaviors often were related to negative self-talk, fear of failure, and lack of self-esteem. Okay, let's put this into a story. We're going we're gonna to talk about Jane. Jane has been struggling with her weight for years and had tried many different diets and exercise programs without a whole lot of success. She would often start off strong, but then would eventually give up and fall back into old habits. She would even experience great success and then eventually be right back where she started. She knew she wanted to lose weight and get in shape, but she just couldn't seem to stick with it. So Jane had a pattern of self-sabotage, and she wasn't even aware of it. Whenever she would start a new diet or exercise routine, she would begin to feel uncomfortable and anxious. Can you relate? I know that I can. She would tell herself things like, I'm not good enough. I'll never be able to stick with this. I don't deserve to be healthy and happy. I'm going to work really hard and then just end up right back where I started. These negative thoughts and beliefs 
would cause Jane to engage in self-sabotaging behaviors like skipping workouts, binge eating, or sabotaging her diet with unhealthy foods. She would take a day off. She would take a week off. She would say, I'm going to start again on, on Monday. And then she'd feel guilty and ashamed, which would further reinforce her negative self-talk and perpetuate the cycle of self-sabotage. One day, Jane decided that she was going to reach out for help, and she hired a coach. And with her coach, she began to work on self-sabotage issues. She learned how to identify her triggers, those thoughts in her head that were creating the emotions. She started to ask what she was making those mean and address that negative self-talk. And she began to practice self-compassion and positive self-talk, replacing those thoughts. She also started to take small, manageable steps towards her weight loss and exercise goals. She would go for a walk every day or incorporate more vegetables into her meals, just one step at a time towards her goal. Over time, Jane began to build up her confidence and momentum. She started to feel more comfortable with her healthy habits and began to see progress in her weight loss journey. She began to change the thoughts in her head about what was going on. Now, she still had moments of self-doubt and temptation, but she learned to manage those feelings and stay on track towards her goal. She learned to feel those feelings, be comfortable with being uncomfortable, identifying those thoughts, and then changing them. Jane's story is a great example of how self-sabotage can affect our weight loss and exercise efforts. But I think the same actions would apply to any goal that we set for ourselves. When we identify the thoughts in our head that stop us from reaching our goals, we can change those thoughts and get back on track. Even one step forward every single day is going to keep us moving in the right direction. By identifying our triggers and negative self-talk, practicing self-compassion and taking small steps towards our goals, we can overcome self-sabotage. We can. Self-sabotage can have a significant impact on our lives, prevent us from achieving our goals and living up to our full potential. The good news is that there are ways to overcome self-sabotage and move forward towards success. I'm going to break it down into three tips to help us move past all of this self-sabotage. First of all, identifying your triggers. The first step is to identify the thought in your head. Find out what is causing it. Triggers can be anything from stressful situations at work to negative self-talk lack of, or lack of motivation. Once you start to identify your triggers, you can start to develop strategies to overcome them. For example, if you know that you tend to procrastinate when you faced with a difficult task, you can break the task down into smaller and more manageable pieces or set a deadline for yourself, depending on what the thought in your head is. When you are working through this, think about a recent event that you sabotaged. Maybe you meal prepped and then and you had your lunch all ready and then you went to work and ordered in. You were all set up to get on the treadmill. You had your clothes laid out, your, your shoes on by the bed, and then you just decided to lay in bed. You reached for your phone and now you no longer have time to get on the treadmill. When was the last time you said, I'll do it tomorrow or I'll start on Monday? What was going on then? What was the thought in your head? What was the thought that you had in your head when you abandoned your plan? Think about your environment. Were you set up for a success? What were you doing at the time? 
what were you feeling? What were you thinking? What was the thought again? I'm going to ask that over and over again. So when our emotions come up, we ask them, what do they mean? What are they teaching us? Because it's our thoughts that create emotions. Our emotions create our behaviors. Our behaviors lead to the actions and the results that we get. So once you've identified the trigger, it's time to replace those thoughts and practice some self-compassion. So we talked about the self-sabotage comes out of self-esteem issues or negative self-talk. So to overcome self-sabotage, it's important to practice self-compassion. Treat yourself with kindness and understanding. Treat yourself like you would your very best friend. This can involve reframing negative thoughts to make the more positive ones, practicing mindfulness. Again, 10 minutes every day of of mindfulness over a couple of weeks, you'll notice an amazing shift in your ability to identify some of these thoughts. So if you are finding it difficult to identify these triggers and know what your thoughts are, so when I say what is the thought and you're having a hard time identifying it, try that 10 minutes of mindfulness every morning for three weeks and you'll start to notice the shift, I promise. All right, another thing that you can do is seek out support from friends or a coach. By practicing self-compassion, you can build up your self-esteem and reduce the urge to engage in self-sabotaging behaviors. All right, the third thing we're going to do is take action. One of the most effective ways to overcome self-sabotage is to take action towards your goals, even when it feels uncomfortable or scary. Often the success we seek is hiding in the work we are avoiding. I don't know who said that, but I think it really rings true. The success we seek is hiding in the work we are avoiding. By taking action and moving forward, we can build the momentum and confidence which can help us overcome that self-sabotage. All right, to wrap it up, self-sabotage is that common issue that affects many people. It is totally possible to overcome it and achieve success. By identifying your triggers, practicing self-compassion, and taking action towards your goals, you can break free from self-sabotage and live up to your full potential. Remember, as that quote goes, the success you seek is often hiding in the work you are avoiding. Take a deep breath and take that first step towards your goals. Thank you for tuning in today. And if you found this helpful, share it. Let's create a great big community of nurses and goal getters that get up every day and default to yes. If you're ready to apply these tips and would like some accountability and to get out of your own head with the obstacles that are personal to you, get clear on your triggers and how to overcome them, coaching may be what you're looking for. You can schedule a 20-minute discovery session. It's totally free, no obligation, and we can get a lot done in 20 minutes. If that's you, reimaginewellness.org forward slash yes and get it set up today. If you aren't ready for that, but you would like more tips, go to reimaginewellness.org forward slash yes and get on the list. Until next time, I know that you have the power to overcome self-sabotage and achieve the success that you deserve. I know that you can love the work that you do and live a life you love. I'd love to be your coach on the journey with you as you get up every day and default to your extraordinary self.